What's going on, everybody? Hope you are having a wonderful week so far. So podcast time. Uh, Chloe Kaye um, is an artist from France, lived in New York, lives in Ibiza now, lived all over the shop by the sounds of it. And she is an absolutely amazing producer. Um, I've not seen a DJ, so I can't comment on her DJ sets, but I'm sure she's just as good. Um, I came across her music probably about a year ago um, and have been like a huge supporter of her music on my Spotify playlist. I love what she does. Um, it's very different to what a lot of people are doing at the moment um, or from what I'm hearing at this moment in time. So it's really, it's really refreshing to hear some like really interesting music. Um, so I thought I'd get on the show um, and for you guys to check her out. So without further ado, Chloe Kaye. Chloe, I'm I'm also going to really butcher your last name because I can't pronounce it properly. <laughs> <laughs> Is it Kaye? It's Kaye. Like you'd be Kaye, motherfucker. Oh, wow. I, na- <laughs> I nailed it first time. I'm impressed. You did. <laughs> How's life? How's things? It's good. It's good. I'm at home for a couple of days before heading out to Sonar. Um, been getting some good studio time in, so... I always love when I get some time at home. It makes me very happy. <laughs> where's Where's home for you? I've got a house in Ibiza. Oh, nice. Um, I live between Miami and Ibiza. Uh, but right now, because I'm touring a lot in Europe, I'm kind of based here. And where are you from? I'm from France, uh, but I was born and raised in New York City. So I grew up spending a lot of time, I'd say, in like New York. And then I lived in the UK for a bit. And then I lived in France and... Yeah. I was going to say that accent is confusing to me. I'm like, I can't put, <laughs> I can't put, put where you're from. Yeah, it's definitely, um, I'd say I, I spent a lot of time just traveling when, as a kid. So, yeah. and my family, we speak a lot of languages at home from like, we speak French, Spanish, English. Um, wow. So there's always just been a lot of different, you know, dialects going on. No, I love it. I love it. One of my best mates, he's from France and he lived in the UK a lot and also lives in America. And his accent is just like a hodgepodge of everything as well. And it's, it's beautiful. I love it. It's amazing. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. How's that? How's that beat right now? It's amazing. It's, um, it's beautiful. The weather's nice. It's not too crowded yet. There's some really good nights on. It's just you're feeling like there's just starting to be, you know, a little bit of a influx of people, which is nice. Yeah, I played Ushuaia the other day and I was amazed how busy it was so early on in the season. Yeah, it's the season now starts the last week of April, which is just quite mad (laughs) because when I first started playing here, we started like May, you yeah. know, it was like May was opening like, and more like end of May, yeah, you yeah. know, so yeah. it was like May 27, 28 was opening. And now we're opening April 27, 28. <laughs> and, and it goes to uh, like end of October right. as well. Yeah. So it's, I mean, it's great because, you know, the nightlife you already suffered during the pandemic. So, yeah. You know, it's good to have the island back, but it definitely means that we're seeing a lot of people from a way earlier time. Yeah, I um, when I used to live out there, um, it was yeah, we'd. I remember like I was re- like this was years ago. I was resident at a tiny bar in San Antonio on the beach, and 
you'd like kind of start on the 1st of June and then it would end like first week in October. And it just seems to just be dragging on forever now. They just open all year practically. Well, and there's now they they threw a lot of parties here on the um, on the first. Yeah. Um, like Amnesia did a party. Um, so I think clubs are just trying to. I mean, Ibiza has become a lot more of a residential island since the pandemic. A lot of people moved here, so yeah. there's now like a pretty consistent crowd of people here throughout the winter as well. Yeah. And there's actually a club called the Casha, which is in um in uh, Las Dalias, which is actually open year round now. Mm. And we've actually got parties there during the week. So Ibiza is changing from a seasonal to more, I'd say of like a year round type yeah. venue, type, you, type venue type place. Do you, is Pasha still open year round? No, Pasha's not. Pasha is same as all the others. Same opens in end of April until October. Cause I'm pretty sure when I used to live out there, it was open like year round just, but like a few days a week it would, it would open, but this was years ago. So I don't oh, know. Really? Yeah. This, I could be wrong, but like this, we're talking 2008 time. So, wow. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not sure honestly. I'll ask them though. Yeah. Ask them. Cause I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure they used to do like, a couple times a week or at least once a week for for locals um but yeah it's an amazing island isn't it yeah i love it for me it's been such an important place to kind of spend time because i feel really creative here and it Mm. just it's just recharging you know i feel like us djs we just (laughs) we our life is consistently about going and going and going and going and then like when i used to live in london right before ibiza I I can never recharge, you know, it was like going home to a city was just like the same kind of energy. Whereas when I come home here, I can really switch off for yeah. like, a, you know, three, four days during the week, get into my studio, go for a swim, be around nature yeah. and then get back out there. Um, but it's, yeah, it's a really amazing island and there's so many great people here too. So mm. I just, I love the vibe here. Do you find it being, do you find being productive there when you're there or do you find during the summer? Yeah, where? super. Amazing. I mean, I'd say there's a lot of distractions. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think it's about how sort of focused you are. Um, and for me, it's like really setting in the time and saying no and being like, hey, guys, I know you're all here and you want to go out, but I'm just going to spend the next two days at home working on music or mm. getting my things done. Um, but when you live here year round, you're kind of, you don't tend to go out that much. Yeah. You know, it's like the party comes here, but. I really pick and choose the nights to go out, you know, especially based on like how I'm feeling <laughs> from yeah. from the general tour life. Well, I think you also have to like, you don't want to spend your whole life. We spend our lives in clubs anyway at the best of times, let alone on our days off. Like, for, I don't know about you, but going to a club on my day off is literally my worst nightmare. Yeah, it's not okay because it's just like also even for your ears, you know, that like you need to give it a rest for a bit. And also yeah. like, I think, I mean, it depends on how many gigs artists take, but I'll take about, you know, two, three gigs. You know, this week I've got three gigs and it's just like, you know, if I'm out as well on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, like I'm not, I'm not able to actually get excited for the weekend. You know, yeah. it's like I haven't had my time to just like disconnect from the nightlife space. Yeah. Do you get excited for shows? Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. Like this weekend, I'm playing at Sonar, and I'm so excited slash super nervous. Yeah. Um, 
But, you know, it's like I get super excited for shows. I feel like at the minute I've been getting so many incredible gigs and yeah. I'm just like every gig is just like I get still get, you know, butterflies and I'm like, ah, and I get nervous and, you know, it's great. That's amazing. I I kind of, I don't know if, I wouldn't really, I'm not a very excitable person. Um, and that, I'll be honest, like I don't really get excited for shows. I love playing them. I like, I, I love it when I'm there and playing, but I'm not somebody that's like, thinks about the shows until I get there, until I'm literally like there. I don't really think about them there anymore. I don't know why. Maybe I'm just old and boring now and just kind of tapped out. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think like, there's definitely something where when you when you've done something, you know, a certain amount of times, like after a while, it just becomes you get quite used to it because, yeah. you know, you've done it, you kind of expect something, and it becomes like a very known situation. Yeah. But I think like for me right now, I'm having so many new. There's a lot of new, so there's yeah. a lot of, for example, cities I've never been to, mm. or you know, certain countries I've never played in where. I'm just really excited to dive into what's happening and getting to meet people. And, you know, that for me, it's not, I don't always just think about the gig. I also think about the circumstance of where totally. I'm going, you know, yeah. and I think that that gets me super excited. And I just, I love playing in new venues, meeting mm. new people, playing in new countries. It's so, you know, I think it's super fun. It's part, it's my favorite part about the job. Yeah, I agree with that. The whole new country and new city when you haven't been there and you're like, okay, this is going to be, no, even if no one turns up to the show, it's going to be an amazing experience, right? And just like eating new food and meeting new people is is the best. We're we're super lucky with that. Yeah, it's it's amazing, and also like I love you know when I go to clubs and discovering local talent and mm. figuring out like you know there's always going to be someone playing that you know that's playing some type of interesting sound that you haven't heard before, especially when you're talking about. You know, at the moment, I've been touring a lot in South America, yeah. and Brazil's been the sort of last place that I've been. And I discovered so many incredible DJs from there, and just yeah. hearing like different people's production techniques and different people's ways of mixing and incorporating different sounds and the way people dance. Like, it's just every time I go on these trips, I come home and I'm just like, I get so excited, and I spend an extra like so many hours digging for music <laughs> from that country and. You know, it's like it's a whole, it opens up a whole new world. South America is a special place, really special place. And it's so big as well. There's so many like different types of people and genres there. And they, they love to party on another level compared to the rest of the world. I just think they feel music differently. You know, I yeah. think it's, it's not that they feel it differently. It's that it's such an innate part of their culture from the minute that they're born you know right. it's like people dance like people let go there's so many like brazil for example has such a crazy history of music yeah. with some of the most incredible artists that we don't even know of but when you go there these artists are selling out stadiums yeah. and have inspired generations and generations of music and i think also have inspired so many other artists like frank sinatra an incredible artist yeah. that you know discovered different artists from brazil and you have artists like Sergio Mendes that crossed over, but you know, there's a lot of these kind of artists that never have. And it's not until you go there and you understand the importance of their musical heritage that mm. you're like, whoa, like this is like innate in your bodies, like, you know, they know lyrics to every single song. Like it's really it's it's incredible. Yeah, it is. It's it's a different culture to what we kind of grow up with in the Western world. Um Yeah, for sure. 
I guess we're also with Carnival over there. It's just, they, they love it. They absolutely love music, which is amazing. I, I've only, I haven't been to Brazil in a while, but when I, when I did go, it was absolutely crazy. And you're right, there's so many artists and so many DJs that are massive over there that haven't crossed over to the rest of the world, but still have this like insane career out there. And you're just like, never even heard of you, but you're like massive and you have this crazy career. It's, it's amazing how different different countries have different kind of stars, um, but they don't cross over. Yeah. And I think that we're seeing more and more crossover because of social media. Yeah. And because of accessibility today to artists. Mm. I think that if you want to dive into a certain city or a scene in a city, like you can easily kind of go online and like find check local collectives out and check flyers out and then dig into their Instagrams and find their, their crew. You know, it's like there there is a way today of like doing it, but you've got to want to. Mm. Um and I think that sonically as well, like, you know, it's it doesn't always work, you know, certain sound totally. sound doesn't work in the cities and vice versa. And I think that, you know, it's, that's my favorite thing about touring so much is I love getting in the studio with local artists. Like I love figuring out like who are the locals, especially that I'm, you know, I, I have my own party and I, you know, I always love incorporating locals, figuring out like, okay, who's yeah. doing what in what city and how can I involve them or how can we work together or how can we get coffee or just connect, you know, because yeah. it's like, that that's how I get inspired, you know. It's like through meeting other other artists. No, I like that. I like that a lot. Um, I want to go back to how it started for you, and kind of give a little bit of history on who you are and 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 when music became in your life, and kind of go back to the to the roots. So, can you give us a little bit of an insight? <laughs> I'm, um, I was born in New York and when I was about six or seven, I told my mom that I wanted to play music and she was like, I was like, I want to play guitar. Like I want to be a rock star. She was like, um, no, you're (laughs) going to play piano. I was like, okay. (laughs) So I, you know, I started playing piano, um, when I was seven and that progressed into a little bit later on in life. I was living in Paris and at the age of 14, I met a bunch of people who were playing in bands and I was kind Mm. of in a sort of community in Paris of, of young teenagers and young adults who just, you know, played music and we would go out to clubs to listen to live music and, you know, I started playing in a band and then I was like, oh, this is really cool. Like I can incorporate the piano into like, you know, these, this band formula. <laughs> and uh, that kind of went on for a few years. And then I moved to the UK where I had after kind of being expelled from a couple of schools and just really wanting to like pursue the music thing. I finally got accepted to a really good music school, uh, conservatory. Okay. Or then I got more like technical into the jazz side and into the kind of theory bit of, of music. Um, mm. so for two years I went to conservatory in England in the countryside, a school called Wells Cathedral school. No, you didn't go and to and Wells I Cathedral. Like, I did. I live literally like 15 minutes from there. Oh, no way. Yeah, I live um, in near Cheddar. Okay. Yeah, that's around the corner. One of my friends has a coffee shop in Wales. <laughs> no way. Oh, yeah. my God. Yeah, I went to Wales for two years. I did my A-levels there, and I, I was part of the music program. Oh, wow. 
and uh, I studied like music production there. So yeah. I did my first kind of step into the production space, and it was it was amazing. And I then discovered Glastonbury Festival, yeah. and you know I was in this sort of UK vibe with. You know, I was going to Bristol a lot, listening to like drum and bass and all these kind of things. And like, that's when my mind just started to be like, you know, the rave culture and all yeah. of these things. And before that, I was living in Paris and I also was kind of involved in more in the rock space. But also at that time, there was the Ed Banger scene that was kind of happening. So yeah. my mind was starting to go into the dance space, but I always loved rock music. You know, like I'd say like band music was my, was my thing. And then... I went to university in New York um, via another university, but I, I basically like um, transferred to NYU. Okay. And whilst I was living in New York, I was interning at Republic Records. I was throwing parties in New York. I was booking artists. Um, I was, you know, heavily involved in this sort of nightlife music scene in New York, but also working at a label. And by the time I graduated from uni, I'd gotten my first job doing like creative for a label. And then I got my first sort of full-time job doing management, Okay, which was definitely like an interesting world because management was a lot less creative than I thought it was. Um, and I lasted about a year as a day-to-day manager. Who are you you managing? (laughs) If you don't mind me asking, um, as a day-to-day manager, I was working for, we are free management and I was working with, um, dark side, okay. uh, Nicholas jar, uh, wild, nothing dive, Mia Follick, um, beach house. Who else? Like it was like an okay. indie sort of alternative pop yeah. uh, management company. And I love, I really, really loved the artists. And so for me, it was super, super fun. But at the same time, it was terrible at booking flights, terrible <laughs> at kind of the organization side. And, you know, I was like, okay, this is not for me. And I, you know, got fired. But at the same time, was kind of happy to um, to uh, leave because I just, I didn't, you know, it wasn't for me. And um, from there, I basically started my own creative agency where I was doing creative direction for artists in New York. Oh, cool. Primarily hip hop artists. How do you how do you start the creative agency? Like that's really interesting. I just I was always involved in like the mix of like the fashion space, the nightlife space, and the creative space of like knowing a lot of really cool photographers and videographers and stylists. And I just kind of saw a gap in the market at the time for putting people together, like as in creating proper strategies from the fashion space, yeah. you know, understanding how do you play certain artists in front row fashion shows, working with certain brands, mm. styling them properly, also developing their music videos, developing their photo shoots, their artwork, the marketing standpoint. And I just found that at the time services were very sparse. Yeah. And so I teamed up with two other girls in New York, one who was an amazing stylist, the other one who was an amazing publicist and really knew a lot of the you know, the, everyone at the fashion fashion shows. So, and I was more of like the creative person bringing in the creative element. And I also understood music because I was always, you know, playing in bands on like the side of like the A&R bit. So us three formed this, this company. Um, and right after the management job, I kind of launched this thing called Palm Creative. And it was great. We worked with some amazing artists. We had St. John, who was, who was actually quite a big yeah. rapper. Um, we worked with HL, with Thutmose. It was mostly hip hip hop artists. That's cool. 
I like that. Um, and then at the time, I started doing musical direction for a hotel in New York City called the One Hotel, and booking, you know, DJs. And and then at one point, my friends were just like, "You should DJ, Chloe. Like, you know, you should pick up a couple extra checks a week. Yeah. Like, you're, you know, you could put yourself into this hotel, like, do the lounge sets. You're already doing the music for the hotel. Just learn how to mix." So my friend Xander Ferreira came over to my house. I bought some decks, and he was like. I'm just going to show you the technique. And then he showed me a little bit of the technique and then pretty quick because I knew a lot of people in New York and in the nightlife space. And, you know, I used to promote at clubs and he, they, I just ended up getting booked for warm, warm up slots. Yeah. And that just slowly kind of advanced. I started DJing for some fashion events. You know, I was like doing this sort of New York downtown nightlife thing. And yeah. then coming from the music space, I was like, right. Okay. I want to actually like, pursue this DJ thing in a real way, not just to, you know, so I started getting back into music making. Um, I started actually looking into more, I'd say, music bookings. Um, in New York, I started playing at New Blue back in the day, which was like, still open now, but it, you know, a lot of like disco house stuff. Yeah. Um, and then I created a collective public access with Josh Ludlow. Mm -hmm. um, and that's when we started really getting into the production side of things. And I started being like, all right, let's actually tour as artists, you know, and let's figure out how do we um, DJ, but also make not just doing, you know, these warm up sets, but actually let's dive into it. And so we started making music. We actually signed a record to Because Music mm. um, that never came out. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we signed a record there with Aluea, who was singing. Um, and we ended up basically Dixon had always been kind of a friend of ours and he invited us to Ibiza to take over the funky room during his Transmoderna residency here. Mm. And so that was kind of the first real like, okay, we're going from clubs in New York, clubs in London, you know, clubs in LA, you're doing the club circuit. So like, okay, now you've got like this residency with Dixon in Ibiza, which yeah. is like, okay, shit's kind of real now. Yeah. Like this is, this is a thing. Um, and so we did five dates with him. We had to curate the room, you know, invite a bunch of our friends down and play all night long. We booked some local artists sometimes to warm up, but it was really, that was kind of my first real go into say the more underground, um, mu musical space. Um, and from then, everything just kind of started to get a little bit more serious with management, with agents, um, with, you know, touring. And then I was having a good year. Then the pandemic happened um, as things were kind of going to start to rise up. And that was really <clears throat> scary because, yeah, I was at home and I just was like, you know what, I'm going to proper dive into the production thing and kind of work on my solo project now. Cause I was at the time really focused on the public access work, but yeah. we weren't together during the pandemic. So I was like, well, you know, I'm just going to do the production thing on my own and just yeah. like dive into it. And it was a great couple of years, very scary, lots of ups and downs. Yeah. Um, but definitely, definitely got deep into production, deep into making music and, here we are today, kind of three years, four, almost four years later, um, you know, just actually getting all of the pieces together. And now with the world opening, just having a great time touring and making music. So was it out of the pandemic that you, that 
you you started touring as as a solo artist yeah i mean before the pandemic i, I started touring actually alone um as well mm. but it was still kind of 50 50 split between public access and my work yeah um and you know we were doing a lot of shows together some 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 alone and then when the pandemic hit really it was it was quite complicated for us to yeah. do anything. Um, and as a duo, we were like, you know what, it might be easier afterwards if, you know, I just start back on the road. And also I have a U.S. passport. He doesn't. So, yeah. you know, the U.S. kind of opened up faster than Europe. Yeah. Um, so I was able to go over to the U.S. and get some shows there. And, you know, I just felt like it was it was difficult because it was like a push. But I was like, OK, you know what? Let's it. do it. Let's just trust the process into what's happening right now. How did the, how did you go from, how did you start living in Ibiza? When was that kind of part of your life? So the second lockdown, um, so 2020, One. was it 2021? Yeah. yeah, January. I was living in London and I came to Ibiza in January for like a month because the world was closing again and I just knew that I wanted to be in nature somewhere. Yeah. And I came here actually with uh with my mom. Nice. <laughs> and uh my my partner at the time and uh we did this like mushroom ceremony. Um you know, I was like just trying to kind of do a lot of healthy shit, clear my head whilst, you know, I wasn't on tour and um but no, I just received all of these kind of thoughts afterwards. And I was like, I just love being here. And the nature here is so beautiful. And I feel super creative. And the world was still locked down. So we ended up staying here for like three months. Mm. I actually bought a bunch of synths out here because people were selling all their equipment for yeah. cheap because people were just trying to make money. So I managed to get some good deals and yeah. bought some stuff. And I was like, all right, I'm just going to. So I built a little makeshift studio in one of the rooms. And I made, I basically finished all my EP. I was like making a track a day, just like turning around the music and being like, this is amazing. Yeah. Um, and then that summer I started having my first kind of potential offers in Ibiza. So I was like, you know what? Like it wouldn't be a bad idea. And it was actually like, I ended up getting a really good house here for a good price because people were just renting. So I got a really good deal on the house that I'm still in. Um, and so it just kind of happened very naturally, you know, but I'd say I'm not here as much as I'd like to be, but it's nice to have a home base here um, and to be able, you know, I have a recording studio here. I often invite artists to come work with me for like a week and, yeah. you know, it's been a very um, nice journey, but Ibiza was not on the, <laughs> the cars before the pandemic at all. <laughs> it's a beautiful island. I absolutely love it there. Um I've always wanted to live there, but I've never like full time. But I then find the winters to be just pretty too quiet for me. Yeah, I mean, I basically spend six months of the year over in the US. Okay. Um, I'm based in Miami and I kind of tour from Miami to South America to different parts of the US. And then I'd say the six months a year, I'm more so based in Europe um, to tour for like festivals and all these things. But, you know, I say that last weekend I was back in Miami. So like 
it's yeah. super hard as a DJ to kind of have your base and stay anywhere um, for longer than <laughs> four or five days. Yeah, it's rough, isn't it? It's also like, how do you find that, especially now being a full-time tour, and how do you find that with your life, with your routine, with relationships, family? How do you find that? I mean, it's definitely a balance. You know, it is so important to kind of prioritize yourself um, on the road. I'd say that at the beginning, I was really unhealthy. I couldn't, if I was getting sick, I was always like burning out, tired, or showing up to shows tired and being like, and then, you know, I kind of had a bit of a realization and I was like, okay, like, let's figure out what is a better balance. And also with the creative part, because like as a producer, you know, the minute you start touring, it's so hard to be making quality tracks on the road and to be, you know, finishing ideas and really honing in on it because you're tired, you're on planes, you're traveling, you're prepping your sets, you're like having to take meetings, you're seeing people. And so I've basically restructured a lot of touring today to balance out a lot more. Like I have a pretty strict routine um, when it comes to my health, my mental health. Um, I exercise as much as I can. I eat well. I try to cook. I stay with friends because staying with friends means that you can kind of get on a routine, you know, when you're going from hotel room to hotel room to hotel room, it's like, you just have no sense of time, you yeah. know? Um, also, it's nice to have a kitchen at a friend's house where you can cook at and see them and catch up. It's like a sense of like grounding. Yeah. Um, same with family. It's, you know, it's making time. It's being like, okay, I'm going to take three days off. And in these three days, I'm going to call on my family and like give him a FaceTime and like, catch up or it's saying you know oftentimes i'll call my siblings and i'm like right i'm gonna be here for these two days like can you guys make the show and then you know you have a nice dinner before with your family and you don't do the promoter dinner you do the family dinner you know yeah. it's it's all time management it's all possible but you know the minute you start having late nights and a few drinks it's like it's very easy to lose track of all these things so i try and keep those to a minimum at the minute and just kind of stay a bit more strict on my routine how do you book out your studio time do you but do you just get in the studio whenever you want or are you like strict the monday to wednesday studio or how, how do you work that it's pr i mean when i'm on tour it's pretty strict like you know i'll speak to my management and we'll be like right this is what your next three weeks look like you're going to be in LA for these three days. Why don't we look at a studio and we'll book it out, you know, so it's booked out, it's paid for, it's, yeah. you know, it's organized because then it's like right Tuesday I'm in the studio from 11 till six. And then I know that that is my studio time to get my things done. Either I work on remixes, which tend to be a lot of things because there's deadlines. I'll make my edits for the club if I can't make them on headphones. Yeah. Or I'll start new ideas. Or if I'm in a certain place and there's another artist that I've been chatting to about working with, I'll be like, hey, let's get in the studio and yeah. try and get an idea done. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of how I found it to be, to work for me. It definitely takes organization and prepping because last minute on tour, like, it's hard. Um, you tend to not get in the studio. You're like, yeah, yeah, I'll book a studio when I land and I'll figure it out. And like, Next thing you know, it's like Friday and you're like getting on a plane to another day and like you haven't gotten anything done. Yeah. Yeah, it's very easy to get caught in the rat race of just not doing anything, isn't it? You have to be really strict with with You have to be strict and you also have to like wanna do it, you know? And I also think like sometimes artists put so much pressure on themselves to like get all these things done and sometimes it's like, I'm tired, I just want a day off. Like I need a day to reset, you know, it's like, 
or a half day or like today I don't feel like going to the studio my brain isn't functioning like yeah. I need to like do a bit of me time and like go for a nice walk and like go see a friend and have a nice lunch and then like actually listen to a podcast and like listen to some records and yeah. maybe go record shopping and you know like you gotta also give time for your inspiration and for your mental self to just disconnect because if you're always on the go I feel like when I put pressure on myself I don't really come up with good ideas mm -hmm. and it, the flow isn't proper either. Yeah, I really struggle with that, honestly. It's something that I have always been really bad at is taking time out. And, like, it's really fucking unhealthy. And for me, yeah. it's, like, also... <clears throat> the thing that I struggle with the most is, like, if I'm not in the studio, I'm doing something else, so I might be writing for somebody else, or I might be doing podcasts, or I might be doing a million other... one other things that actually takes a lot of my time up but i then forget to actually have time off but then when i do take time off i feel fucking lazy and it just like plays in my head <laughs> so it's like it's something that i just don't know how to do and i need to learn because i'm like f feeling it massively in this, at this moment in time yeah i think i i think as artists because we're freelance you know and if you're not working, nothing's going to come in. You know, that's how we kind of tend to think. It's like, you got to keep, keep it up. If yeah. not, you're not going to get booked. You're not going to get, the track isn't going to come out. It's not going to get finished, yada, yada, you know? But I think that it's so important to understand like what you need, you know, in order to always perform at your best self. And what I find is that if I'm on the go nonstop 24 seven and I'm never taking the pedal off, you know, everything is it's very reactive way of working you know it's like i'm doing things very surface level it's like quick let's do it right done 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 whereas if i take like even an hour in the morning you know it's just like wake up do my routine go to the gym like you know write a little bit do a bit of breathing and then i'm like right okay now i can start my day it's like i just took that moment and that one hour just gave me so much more presence and and creativity than if I just woke up straight onto my email, straight onto a crayon, onto that, right into the studio. It's quite intense, you know? It's like, yeah. and then I'm in that kind of cycle all day. And then I'm always like kind of a bit anxious. And I, you know, it's like, it's like waking up with the wrong side foot of the bed, you know? Yeah. yeah. No, I get that. And I, I totally get it. I think for me, routine is like, again, is key is like the gym starts my day off. If I don't go to the gym, it kind of screws my whole day up from the get go anyway um yeah it's like you're like you're never quite on in the right way <laughs> yeah you're, yeah it is it's weird that isn't it but exercise is crazy so i've got a load of work going on outside my house right now so if you hear a bunch of crashing in i don't know if you No, i don't i don't that. actually oh, that's good. And i think also like just being like right i've got you know our we, we don't get weekends, you know, weekends are, are, are work days. So from about Thursday to Sunday or about Monday, you're in a work mode. So it's like thinking about, okay, what day is your Sunday? Yeah. Is it Monday? Is it Tuesday? Is it Wednesday? Like what day can be your day? It's just do your laundry and like clean your house and like, you know, like yeah. do all that kind of stuff that like, if you don't do it clutters in the back of your mind, you know, like, and just to sit down, maybe read a book or like go for a nice walk, see a friend for catch up without the pressure of being like, shit, I got to get in the studio and make this record. <laughs> it's tough. 
I need to sort it out because that is it's literally hard. my life. It's like it's non-stop with brain just like constantly on all the time and it's it's not healthy. Yeah. You can't keep it going. No, but it's it's hard. I think that's what I was saying, you know, I think artists because we're freelance and also a lot of us just struggled so much during the pandemic, you know, like mm. I mean, my bank account dwindled so low. I was yeah. like, I think I'm going to have to get another job. Like, I'm going to have to maybe bartend or but bars weren't open. I was like, fuck, like, what is my skill set? <laughs> <laughs> like, what can I yeah. do? Um, and, you know, I think a lot of us just went straight back in with, like, taking on, like, 100 times more work because yeah. we were all so nervous again about things not being so certain. And I think a lot of my, at least a lot of my friends we all burnt out pretty bad in the last year and yeah. all just had these really moments of like, whoa, like you do not need to be doing five gigs a week yeah. to be successful. You do not need to be fucking taking eight planes a week and running around like a crazy person and yeah. not knowing your name and like, blah, and like not sleeping, you know, it's like, this is not going to make you any happier, you know? Mm. Yeah, it is. You're right. 100% right. Although I would love to be doing five gigs a week. <laughs> There's like something about it. It's like, I think it's like an addiction. It's, an, it's like an addiction to work, right? Where you're just like, want to be constantly on. There's like a, yeah. a an adrenaline rush to it. But then I guess when you're like constantly doing that, it's, um, it gets a lot. How did... Yeah, I mean, I think... Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. I, I was. I wanted to talk about Circa Loco and the residency there and the records that you're releasing on the label as well because I really fucking like them a lot. Um, they're really, really Thank you. good. So how did all of that start off? Sorry, I've got something in my eye. Um, so a couple summers ago, actually in 2019, I actually... I was living out in Ibiza for the summer with my residency with Dixon and I ended up playing like a, a little, like a little private little villa thing. At, um, uh, the guy who owns Rockstar, yeah. uh, Sam's house. And, uh, it was like very intimate with Seth Troxler and, you know, I was invited by a friend and it was very nice. And we ended up talking and building a friendship there. And, you know, he became a mentor to me and someone who really like, you know, inspired me a lot about the music space. And during the pandemic, I kind of went away and made a bunch of music. And when I came back, I was actually looking for a label to kind of sign a bunch of records to. And I had been in Ibiza and I'd been going to Circle Local a lot. And I, you know, a lot of friends in common with those guys. And Sam was very close with them and was kind of like, hey, you guys should check out Chloe, you know. And naturally, kind of organically, they, you know, ended up booking me for it was the mini opening they did in October of 2020. Yep. No, 2021. Yeah, yeah. Um, they booked me for one of those dates and I played and it went really well. Yeah. And then I think Antonio was just like, you know, Chloe lives on the island. Like we like where she's going. And then Sam had shared my, you know, they, they started the Circle Loco record, which is Rockstar and Circle Loco. Yeah. And Sam and the, the Rockstar team really liked my, my records. And, I think they just naturally were like, this is a good fit for Circo Loco, you know? We're looking to actually expand genres. We don't just want to do pure dance music. Like, and my EP was very versatile. And, yeah. you know, they offered me a residency there last summer. 
Um, and, you know, after playing with them and it just made sense to kind of just put out the music with them. And I live here and so it's a family thing. You know, I love, I love the Rockstar team so much. They've been such amazing support and the Circle Loco team as well, living here and being a part of it. It's just, you know, it's where it's the club I've been going to the longest here. Yeah. <laughs> it's sort of, it's the, the Mecca of all, of all places. And so it was just like, yeah, an honor to be there and a part of, of what they're building. Yeah, no, I love what they do at Circle Loco, and it's it's an institution for Ibiza. Realistically, the yeah. the, the Circle Loco parties, obviously DC Ten is a special club, but Circle Loco has been there for so many years that it's just. I think it's got to be the longest running club night on the island now. Probably because they're doing a twenty fifth. Maybe yeah. I'm wrong. Anniversary this year. Um, I mean, yeah, and it's it's for me. What's so what's so crazy about it is that it's just consistently, you know, Antonio is so creative with who he's bringing to the island, and I just feel like this consistently new artist. He's taking chances. He's bringing young artists who've never been to Ibiza. But it's all done with a very familial energy, you know, where you're here and, you know, you're running into your friends there. It's like it's a, it's a meeting point. And I love that it has never really, you know, so the, the table culture, like, yeah, I think there's, there's three tables there or four. Yeah. You know, that's it. And the tables are not prominent. You know, yeah. they're in the back. It's all about the GA. It's all about the dance floor. You know, the booth gets pretty packed as well. But I just feel like it's it's a club that's remained very true to what clubbing is. Yeah. And there's a lot of other clubs here that have really just pushed the VIP, the VIP, the ticket sales for the for tables and you know, which has taken a lot away from the dance floor. Well, I think also and I that, think that that's changed with DJ fees over the years as well. I be like Pasha was always a VIP venue, but I think space when it was space, when high was space, like it was never really based on VIP culture. Nothing really was based on VIP culture. But I think the way music, dance music has, or electronic music has become way more commercialized, the whole VIP culture has become way bigger. And Instagram and all of that has just changed everything. I mean, a hundred percent. And also like... Yeah, DJ fees are really high. Clubs have to pay these high fees and the best and easiest way to make money is by tables because yeah. tables sell a lot and, you know, it's a very fast and easy way. And I think that as much as I understand, you know, clubs having to do the shift, like it's why I think it's equally as important to play the small clubs for low fees because I, I think that you're not i don't know like i just i just spent the weekend in berlin i was playing there and you know when you're there and you're interacting with your dance floor on 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 that level it's a very different way of playing you know you're doing these long sets you're getting to really know your dance floor. people are letting go they're there yeah. to dance they're not there to take photos you can't even take pictures you know yeah. what i mean like they're not there to show a table away that they've got the most expensive table behind the DJ. Like yep. no one's in the booth. You know, you go to you go to Burkheim, there's no one in the DJ booth. Everyone is on the dance floor. Yep. You know, and it's like that's culture. That's dance culture. That's where it comes from. It comes from a space of letting go and of creating these intimate spaces for people to really be free and feel and feel safe. Yep. You know, and 
I think that the way that things have happened now is the commercialization of dance music, as great as it has been for some things, also there's lost a little bit of that energetic dance floor connection you get. And I think that Circle Local here, you still very much get that, you know, and, and with DC10. And that's why I think for me, like, it's one of my favorite clubs in Ibiza and maybe one of them in the world, you know? Mm. Yeah, it's, it's it's really special. I think for me, the thing that's like, the thing that really jumps out is like the com- is the community and, and the communal feel of what clubs that have a true dance floor does to the people that come to the club and there's with with having vip sections and having extortionate ticket prices and things like that it it creates a different vibe in the room from the get-go it's 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 completely different and for me totally for me a nightclub the crux of it was is based on escapism and that anybody can go to a venue and, and escape reality. Because let's be honest, a lot of people want to escape reality and on a regular basis. Um, and I think you, you still get that in the smaller clubs and obviously in the cities like Berlin, Amsterdam, a lot of places in Europe, you have at least like a few institutions in those cities that have those those nightclubs. Um, but again, on the on the positive side of 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 the the newer venues and the more vip or the bigger like the more like instagram venues is you can make a, a really good living and we can do this for a long time a hundred percent and also something that's really cool that i'm seeing happen right now is that our world is no longer so small intimate boiled up we're starting to reach different territories yeah. you know dance music is becoming way more global it's listened to everywhere a lot of artists are really open to collaborating you know you've got people like beyonce and and all of these people that are trying to just like incorporate it into their sound and therefore it's bringing more eyes and ears to what we're doing and i think in the long run opening up this space is a great thing because it's you know we're also artists we want to make a living from this but also it's what we love doing yeah. and it's great to be able to like open up this world to all these these new things and not just be this insular very exclusive world that like you know it's it's different you know and i think that obviously like the night the whole late 80s and 90s culture of raving and of course like um of course that all of these things are going to be very always sought after and we're always going to reminisce about these times and about how it was in the 90s when you were going to these raves but at the same time like there's a way of incorporating some of those elements and making them more modern of today's world and being realistic with what's happening today and there's you know there's cities like berlin as you say like amsterdam like um Tbilisi, like you know in georgia like you still have these like crazy underground cultures that are happening all over the world yeah and you can go there and find them but i feel like today there's a bit more for everyone which is key for for all of us to like you said to become more worldwide like the likes of streaming and although there's huge pros and cons to streaming but like again it opens you up to a much wider audience and way more people have have access to to finding out who you are as an artist which is an amazing situation where back in the day it was vinyl stores or beatport like it was very rare or radio 
like radio was radio one was like the time where everyone found out who you were and if you weren't put in that two hour yeah. slot of pete tong or annie mack at that time it's practically impossible to grow a career out of that yeah it's so interesting that i was i was speaking to um a guy a couple of days ago who ran, I can't remember the name of the record label, but it was based in France and he did all of the releases of all of the US sort of 90s, Chicago, Detroit house in the UK. And he had yeah. a specific label that did that. And I was like, how did you find the records? You know, like, how did you discover the, the music? He was like, well, I had a friend who had a friend <laughs> who had these records and, you know, they would come and bring a bunch of the vinyls and we would listen to them and I would decide to release them and then I would print, you know, press them and then release them on my label. And that's really how it was a lot of word of mouth about like who was popping in Detroit, who was popping in Chicago, like, you know, what was Larry Heard doing? Yeah. You know, what was Frankie Knuckles doing? Like who were, what was Ron Trent? Like all of these guys were like legends. And then obviously it made its way over and radio started picking it up and it became, you know, more of a fluid language between the different territories. But at the beginning, these scenes were so insular and they were really little communities that were happening. And I don't even think they realized the impact that they were going to have globally later on. <laughs> 100%. I spoke to Kevin Saunderson about it and he was saying like it was only when he, they did Big Fun with Inner City that they realized like on a global scale, like how especially in Europe, how big electronic music was. And he was like, I didn't have a clue. I was just in Detroit doing Detroit things, making music and not knowing the impact of what it had until he moved to, to Europe because of, because of big fun. And you're just like, before pre-internet, it was a strange old place. Yeah. And you, and you could not, like vinyls and all of these things were like, you had no idea what was going to go off or not. You know, it was like, yeah. and now you're hearing obviously like Kanye West sample, you know, like all of these old, like it's just very interesting how it's just like made this like full circle. Like dance music has never gone away. It's always there. It's always being sampled in hip hop. It's always being referenced. It's always being remade today. You're seeing so many reworks of these old classics, you know, yeah. it's, it's interesting. What's your thoughts on the, current music of right now in dance music for me I, I i think that it's a very interesting time because i'm hearing a lot of crossover between like i mean i guess there's nothing new right technically because everything's kind of been remade but i feel like there's a lot of creativity today and like i'm a big fan of hip house and like the sort of that sort of genre and today you're hearing a lot of house with hip-hop vocals you know yeah. there's a lot of like some of the tracks on the last beyonce record i thought were really great you know um i love artists like bicep <coughs> like jamie xx like caribou um you know you've got house artists making techno techno artists making house like Dead Mouse is making a techno project. You know, it's like there's th th there's no more like barriers, and I feel like artists today feel a lot more free to yeah. kind of like express themselves. And I think that genres today are being crossed. You know, you're no longer either hip hop person or dance person or rock person. You're yeah. like, let's mix it all up and like see what comes with it. And I think it's an interesting time for music. I think there's a lot of great music being released. I think that. There's a lot of great artists. Um, 
making music is a lot easier than it was you know it's a lot cheaper you don't need to spend 50 grand on a studio you know you can literally like download you can even go with garage band and like make a track you know like everyone kind of has access today to all these things and it's about how deep in depth you learn them (laughs) technically but it's it's we're in a different space where it's a lot more open also like there's in incredible music being made like in mexico right now in brazil in lagos in morocco you know it's it's cool like i'm i'm loving what i'm hearing honestly that's great yeah i think it's um it's where it's also it's also where you're looking i think and and what you're consuming (coughs) is purely based on your opinion on how the music industry is right and i think if you're consuming great music you can kind of shut out all of the stuff that's that means nothing to you um but i i totally agree with the whole barrier thing it's it's really interesting to see lineups where it isn't based on one set genre of music and that's how i remember it from when i first started like playing you'd have a house room you'd have a techno room you'd have a drum and bass room you'd have a hard house room and it was really interesting for people to like the different walks of life that would come through the club to go to different rooms and then they'd all merge into one and that's how communities get built and and more people listen to different types of music and is kind of educated on different genres and how different scenes are and i think it's really special yeah it's it's you know it's not as purist i would say like it's hard to find that um unless you're really digging deep into the underground you know there's very cool collectives today there's very interesting like things happening i'd say on like a micro level but it feels a lot more free you know and it feels a lot more open-minded and from my perspective as a new artist i think it's not as intimidating you know and i think that there's space for everyone and i think that like I'm excited to see the next 10 years of music and be like, whoa, like I was at the beginning of a, of a, of a time in music when like Drake was making house music and Beyonce (laughs) was making house music. And like, then you had all these underground people listening, you know, today techno is like basically becoming commercial. You have tale of us selling 15,000 tickets, you know, you've got like, it's, it's, it's really shifting, you know, like, you have all of these underground sort of queer raves that are becoming the main parties in certain cities, yep. parties like Adonis in London that are, that are super, super, you know, attended. And I just think it's, it's all moving. Yeah. And as a queer artist, like I think that it's great because there's a space for everyone, totally. you know, I no longer have to just play the left field underground queer party, you yeah. know, to be accepted. It's like I can do a bit of everything and I think that's a lot more interesting. I think it's super important because I think it's just it's gone back to how it should have been or how it was created it, but with a way more of a commercial feel to it and way more access- accessibility to the world. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. What have you got planned for the rest of the summer? Um, for the rest of the summer, I've got a lot of fun festivals a lot of fun shows, a lot of music releases, hopefully some downtime. I might take a week off at some point, try and go on holiday with some friends. Nice. Um, and just, yeah, taking it 
day by day. I'm playing Glastonbury next weekend, which is great. It's my favorite festival. It's my birthday. So, yeah. When's Lots your birthday? Of fun bits and bobs. When's your birthday? June 26th. Oh, I'm June 6th. Oh, you're June 6th? Yeah. Happy belated. Thank you. Appreciate it. Um, how do you plan? How, how do you plan your releases? Are you like on a? Are you do you try and be like super consistent with like every six weeks, or how how do you kind of work that? So I've got a release basically every six weeks at the minute. Nice. Um, I would say six weeks, two months. I try and kind of keep a consistent flow. And at the minute, I'm I've got a couple of fun compilation things, tracks on compilations. I've, looking at uh, another release on my own label. So just, you know, just keeping it up and always trying to make good music and music that I love most importantly. Mm. What's your label called? I didn't know you had a label. Sorry. Excess Records. Oh, is that yours? Okay, cool. Yeah. How, how yeah. often are, yeah, you, yeah. So are you releasing on that? I've only released a few things. I released my first single, Love Ain't Over, and then I released um, my excess edits on there. Yeah. And then this summer I'll be releasing my next single on there, um, which is a fun track, and then I'm going to do another edits. It's not so consistent. It's just, you know, I've got a distribution through Believe, mm -hmm. and they're very quick. So when I've got a track that I kind of want to put out without having to wait on, like, a release plan. Yeah. And working it in house, like I, I do it through my label. That's amazing. Do you sign other people on there? I'm. I want to. I want to start doing that. It's definitely been like a passion of mine to discover lots of other artists, but I don't have the bandwidth right now to kind of yeah. take that on. Yeah. Um, and do it in the way that I would want to. So, but as soon as I can afford that, and I can kind of maybe hire someone to be label manager and run that i would absolutely love to start signing other artists mm. yeah it's fun when you start signing other artists and kind of seeing a crew build it's it's definitely yeah. a fulfilling exercise because i think it's about giving back I, right and being able to give new artists a platform to kind of be seen and be heard and i think that for me that's like the most rewarding thing a hundred percent that's the best yeah i love it i love it yeah. right let's um wrap this up um but before we go how can people follow you how can people get involved with you as an artist and go check your music out the best place is on instagram uh it's chloe kaye spotify my music's on there soundcloud i put out regular mixes and yeah that's kind of where where you can find me cool mate thank you so much for coming on i'm really excited to see where you go in the next few years because i love your music um so just keep it up and you will do amazing things thank you very much for coming on thanks man i appreciate it thank no you worries. thank you keep thank safe. you for taking the time today uh anytime you can literally come on whenever you want if you ever want to come and promote music just let me know and we can we can get it wicked thanks man cool thank you mate keep safe see you soon thank you speaking a bit bye bye, -bye. and that's a wrap big love to chloe for coming on hope you enjoyed it please share it please subscribe keep safe see you next time